Geek Bill Radio. You're not Peter Parker. Again, Geeks and Geekettes, this is Seth, a.k.a. Zandrax, the mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio, coming at you with another jam-packed episode, kind of clearing out the cobwebs again here, but we are going to talk Spider-Man, we're going to talk Disney Plus Day, a lot of Marvel and some Star Wars stuff to come out of that, and then we will wind it all up with a look at the newest addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Hawkeye, which aired its first two episodes. As of this recording, November 24th in the year of our Lord, 2021, just in time for Thanksgiving. And once again, rejoining me on the Geekville Radio airwaves, although still not in the knife soft padded cell in South Kakalaki, somewhere in the woods of North Kakalaki, Crazy Train Jonathan Bullock. All aboard, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I am outside enjoying a nice, brisk fall evening, the, the night before Thanksgiving. It's okay. I, I, I'm used to these woods. I did do what? Country music posts for a year and a half. You got to figure I got a little bit of country in me. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, okay. I'm, I'm actually at work. Most of our regular listeners know I work in North Carolina and live in South Carolina. Tell they run on the border. That might be the reason the, uh, the sound's a little bad because I'm on my phone. But who doesn't love a good night, brisk, cool fall evening with a pretty moon out? I know oh, yeah. you do. So. Yeah, a- absolutely. I, li- I like the woods. Uh, like implied in the opening bumper, we're going to talk Spider-Man to kick things off. This trailer, it's almost been like this hard-to-find gem. It's like everybody keeps waiting for this movie to come out. It's only a couple weeks uh, away, and they only came out with their second trailer. And we got more footage of Alfred Molina. I mean, we knew he was coming. We'd heard about Jamie Foxx. This leaves no doubts that it is Jamie Foxx again as Electro. We're even getting Sandman based off of Thomas Hayden Church from Spider-Man 3, and we definitely heard Willem Dafoe's voice as Green Goblin. And if you look closely, you see a lizard as well. And I know there was a joke going around that lizard seems to get punched by some invisible person. So that led people to speculate that John Cena was going to make his MCU debut because you can't see him. <laughs> so. I think he's busy with DC stuff right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, with that peacemaker. Yeah. But I really liked what I saw with this Spider-Man trailer. I've long ago accepted that this is not the same Spider-Man that hasn't been in the other movies. They've definitely gone away from the comics. I know I sound like a curmudgeon when I say that, but I also know that this is just kind of what the 21st century Spider-Man, I think, is to try to relate to the high school and college age level of fans of today. But did you have any overall thoughts? Was there anything you had noticed as far as characters or actors that you saw in it uh, I, I enjoyed it i our regular listeners know after ghost rider and batman spider-man's like my mount rush where he's the he was my my entree into the comic book world he was my first favorite hero so i i love anything spider-man honestly i i not as not a big a fan of tom Holland's take as toby mcguire's but i like both of them better i like andrew garfield but i think andrew garfield's was good too Mm-hmm. So it's nice. I think nobody can be shocked because of how big a hit so- Sony's animated into the Spider-Verse was. And with WandaVision and with what if this whole idea of the multiverse, this is where they were going to go. Shouldn't be shocked 
they're obviously leaning into that heavily. Kind of shocked that they're going to lean into that so heavily before Strange, Doctor Strange 2 comes out. But I, I don't know if they really have a choice. As far as, like you said, people waiting, I wonder how much of that is because Eternals just dropped a couple weeks ago. And we've never seen two Marvel properties drop that close together before. Yeah, yeah, you know? it, it's possible. Obviously, COVID had a lot to do with that. And it, it does look like, judging by the trailer, the spell that was cast to make the public forget that he's Spider-Man, that was something out of the comics, but it was, was mm-hmm. it Mephisto that did it? It was basically uh, Marvel's de- version of the devil that did it. And that, that was kind right, of the, right. the the price that Peter paid because he, he didn't want his loved ones being hurt. Because Peter revealed his identity in Marvel Civil War, the first one, because there was that right. excellent cover, I think it was by Alex Ross, that showed Peter unmasking himself. And then you see J. Jonas Jameson's reflection on the TV, just gasped with disbelief. But I think it was because of absolutely that, gob- that. Absolutely gobsmacked. Yeah. Absolutely. But in order to get back to kind of what Spider-Man was with nobody knowing, they, they did the whole thing with Mephisto. And I think Aunt May had something to do with, with that as well. Right, but right. in this, it looks like it's Doctor Strange that's doing it. And somehow that's also what's leading to this multiverse. Well, the only issue I have, and this is not a big issue, is I understand in today's social climb, I have kids that are in high school, how kids think nowadays. Their take on MJ is probably more in line with what kids think. But being a man my age, I like the traditional take on MJ. She's like the ultimate catch. She's like the hottest girl in school. She's a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. She's a model. And not that this girl they've passed players is ugly. She's not. She's an attractive young lady. It's just she's more tomboyish. Mm-hmm. That she is classically feminine, which it was always the way MJ was portrayed the whole time we were reading Spider-Man as yeah, kids, yeah. right? It was, it was like so. that, that classic line, face the tiger, you just hit the jackpot. Mm-hmm. And I think Zendaya, well, I think she is a pop star. I could be wrong, but it, this MJ, while well, it's not even Mary Jane, I think that's by design. They're not calling her Mary right, Jane. Right. But she does seem to kind of have that more of a pop star, YouTube personality vibe to her right. than, than just straight up supermodel. Well, I, I think that the original incarnation of Peter Parker, MJ, was not that dissimilar from the Sue Storm, Reed Richards. It was the geek guy gets the good looking girl. Right. You know, exactly. There stood a lot of their readership with geeky guys and they were trying to give them hope. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, Bill Gates' ex-wife is pretty hot. So that actually actually plays out in reality as well. <laughs> right. Right. But was there anything else in the trailer that stuck out to you? I, I did like well, the exchange that... Dr. Octopus has with the, because clearly Dr. Octopus does not exist in this universe, in the MCU proper, right? so to speak. So he's, he's like, at, yeah, you know, him and Ned laughing at the fact that David's auto. That kind of sounds a little bit wrong. He's like, why are you poking fun at Stan Lee? Because he's trying to keep up with that name. And right. we've uh, talked in length about how he loved those kind of alliterative names. Dr. Doom and, and, and Otto Octavius, those kind of things. Reed Richards, That's Sue just, Storm, you know. Yeah, yeah, that was just him. That was yeah. just who he was. It's just what he did, and they're kind of making fun at it. And I'm like, don't kick the man. He's a legend, and he's no longer with us. It is what it is. It did make me wonder, as we heard Willem Dafoe's voice, I did wonder, since we never see him unmasked, is this actually Willem Dafoe in the costume, or do they just have him do voiceover work? Because I know he's credited, but voiceover work gets credited as well. It's just like right. Vin Diesel still gets credited as Groot in the MCU, even though we know that Groot's all CGI. Right. Bradley Cooper is still credited as Rocket Raccoon, even though 
The Rock is all mocap with, I think Sean Gunn does the mocap form, doesn't he? Yeah, it's possible. It's definitely not, yeah, it's definitely not Bradley that does the the motion capture for it. But Bradley gets gets, gets credit for him in the credits because he does the voice. Right. So having having a stuntman or a CGI Green Goblin and then just having Willem Dafoe do the voiceover work, he would still get the credit for it. Yeah. And let's be honest, Willem Dafoe's not a spring chicken. I don't know if he could physically do some of the stuff they need Green Goblin to do anymore. Right. But geez, what, Platoon was 35 years ago. So, and, and, and let's be honest, uh, how old is Willem now? Is he going to be in the 70s? Probably. He's got to be at least in his, I think, in his mid 60s. Mid 60s at the youngest. I'm guessing probably like 70, 73, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And Green Goblin is a very physical role, <laughs> even right. if you don't have him do his own stunts. It's still right. pretty physical. Uh, and now, one, there's two things that I am putting out there as my predictions. According to, first off, according to Wikipedia, Willem Dafoe's a 66. So yeah, right in that, right in that late okay. 60s. So we're both right on, yeah. right in that area. Right. But there's two things. One is we know Andrew Garfield is being very upfront. He's saying he's not in it or he hasn't done anything for it or something of that, that regard. If Andrew Garfield is in it, it would not surprise me if they somehow worked in cut footage from his movies and that's how they worked him in so he didn't actually have to film anything maybe sure. they did that but it certainly would make sense it would cover all the bases he's lying mm-hmm. but not lying so to speak and the other mm-hmm. is that it looks like we may get a version of hobgoblin now of course harry osborne was hobgoblin but as anybody who read spider-man for a while there were multiple hobgoblins one of them being right peter's buddy ned leeds who we do actually see in the first two movies. So it'd right. be interesting to see if we get a different Ned or if it's just the same actor playing a Ned from another you know, universe who's a bad guy. Well, that looked, that, that looked like the the, the little clip we saw, it like the James Franco version from the mm-hmm. from the Tony yeah, movie. It did, yeah. It? But we also got Electro looking very yellowish, much more like he looks in the comics, whereas the Jamie Foxx one had kind yeah. of a blue tinge to him. You had the like the lightning bolt mask. Yeah. I don't know. A little bit little bit spoiler here for and free free publicity for our listeners. We will be recording a, a final examining dead for the year next month, where we'll both we're gonna review the new Ghostbusters movie. In the trailer that that I saw before that, they did the trailer for Morbius, you know, which is Another one of those movies that they got affected by by COVID that stars Jared Leto. And it, of course, is in the same universe with Vin, the Venom movie. Mm-hmm. There is a clip of Michael Keith's Adrian Toomes in that trailer. Did not see Morbius or Venom or or Vulture in any in this trailer. Did I, did, did, were they in there and I missed them? No, I don't think so. But, but it does put forth the whole idea that this is going to lead to full-on Sinister Six. Whether they'll save that for another movie or if they'll have a Spider-Men movie, plural. It definitely looks like we're, we're getting that on-screen meeting and official declaration of the Sinister Six. I also caught a quick glimpse of maybe it just went by too fast. At it. Was there a, a Miles Morales all-black Spider-Man suit that I saw real quick? Like uh, for a frame or two? I don't think so. There, there could have been because there were a lot of suits in there. Because there was the one that almost looked like a Captain Universe Spider-Man outfit because it, it looked kind of mm-hmm. silverish and looked like hatchets. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have already seen into the Spider-Verse. But for those that don't know, some of the more common variants of Spider-Man that I can think of are you've got, of course, Miles Morales. Uh, you've got Peter Parker. You've got another universe where Gwen Stacy gets the spider power. She comes in spider, Spider-Gwen. Mm-hmm. There's the one with the anthropomorphic uh, animals, and he's a pig in that one. It's Spider-Ham. Spider-Ham, yeah. I there's, love reading Spider-Ham. Uh, there's a Spider-Man Noir, which is from another alternate universe where everything's set like in the 20s New York City, and it's all film noir. 
And that Spider-Man uses guns, carries two, like Colt 1911s, much like Two-Faith in D.C. Uh, what is the Hispanic guy's name that is Spider-Man 2099? Eduardo oh, or something? Oh, yeah. Or Miguel, yeah, or Miguel Eduardo or something. Miguel yeah. Eduardo or something. So those are your more common. We can see any or all of those in this movie. It's possible, don't you think? No, we're going to get Spider-Ham, but I would want Oh, I, yeah. I would do a backflip in the seat if we saw Spider-Ham. Now, granted, that would make me want to see a full-blown Spider-Ham movie where, where we get, like, Bruce Bunny, the Hulk Bunny, and Captain America Cat, and right. Bruce Ryder. You know? Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I don't think we're going to get that, but the idea of a Spider-Gwen or, you know, uh, a Miles Morales, I would not be shocked at all. You, oh, yeah. Yeah, I fully expect we're going to get uh, a movie with Miles in it, and it would be plural, like I said, yeah, Spider, point, Spider-Men. At some point. Maybe this is the int- the introduction of the character. Maybe not. But yeah, I agree with you. We are going to get that movie. It's like, he's too popular a character. And in the comics, there are two Spider-Men. Both Peter and Miles are both their own version of Spider-Man. It's just Peter is full-blown in the Avengers. He's like the, the national Spider-Man. And Miles is just keeping things in New York. That's the explanation. He's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean, DC has how many Robins? They coexist. You have Dick Grayson is Nightwing. You got Jason on his Red Hood. You got Tim Drake as Red Robin. Well, Damien's dead now, but for a while, he was Robin. And these are all coexisting and working with Batman at the same time. And it works there, so it can work, it can work into Spider-Man stuff, too. Yeah, absolutely. Now, also in the Marvel Universe, but not the Sony films, Disney had their Disney Plus Day. This is going to become an annual thing, because about a week and a half ago was the two-year anniversary of Disney Plus's debut. And there was definitely some news that came out of that. We'll run through it. We saw what's coming down the pike in 2022. Several updates were given for MCU projects. And there are actually a few surprises here. So more or less alphabetical order here, because why not? Cheesier. We had talked a few weeks back the rumors of there being an Agatha Harkness series. But we did get actual official confirmation. It's going to be called Agatha... House of Harkness. Catherine Hahn will reprise the role. She, of course, first played in WandaVision. The same showrunner for WandaVision, Jack Schaefer, will helm the series like she did for WandaVision. No time frame. My hunch is if they're only announcing this now, we're probably not seeing it until 2023. And right. uh, Catherine Hahn, I know, is going to do that series where she's going to be Joan Rivers, which I think we said before, she's probably going to knock out of the park. I think she'll be excellent for that. I, I can totally see her doing the, can we talk? But it, it looks to me, just going by the name House of Harkness, it sounds like it's going to be an origin thing. It's not going to be modern day. It's going to be a couple hundred years ago during that whole Salem witch trial stuff. And I also think it'll be skirting that line between comedy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. Because I think I, WandaVision. I think WandaVision. Oh, know? yeah. Yeah. We all saw elements of classic sitcoms in those first four or so episodes. And the whole one that was attributed to Bewitched, I loved. That oh, was yeah. Then on. Yeah, a- absolutely. And but the thing is, with the character of Agatha Harkness, since she's, I don't even know if you'd call her a secondary character. I think she's tertiary character at best. But Mm. with a character like that, I don't know of too many diehard Agatha Harkness purists. So you can probably get away with facelifting the character and doing something different without upsetting the fan base too much. Because as as soon as I heard this was coming out, I was like, okay, I'm I'm, going to watch it. I'm in. I, told, I think I told our viewers when we first talked about that character, my only knowledge of her from the comics was as old, 
kind of haggish woman who was the nanny for a Reed, Reed Richard Sue Storm's sure. kid. Yeah, she, she was almost like a darker Aunt May. Aunt May without the, the yeah. uh, sweetheart of it. Right. Without the apple pie and, and smiles. <laughs> right, right. You, you could say that. Now, another series that's rumored and now confirmed is Echo. Very little is known about it other than it's centered around the Maya Lopez character who... uh very small spoiler alert, we do get in Hawkeye, but we'll talk about that later. We already knew we were getting her in Hawkeye, so I don't think it's that big of a spoiler. Yeah, well, I, we, we had speculated that ha- the Hawkeye series would, would probably be a backdoor pilot for that one. So I think mm-hmm. we, we could go ahead and right. confirm that, don't you think? Oh, yeah, yeah. Another animated project is I Am Groot, which will obviously center around everybody's favorite talking tree, aside from maybe Treebeard, but... The format will reportedly be similar to the animated shorts that we used to see before feature films back in the day. Some, you know, like the Tom and Jerry yeah, and Warner yeah. Brothers yeah, stuff. Yeah. It seems very kid-friendly to how oh, yeah. I took it, which is yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I, I don't expect anything canon to come out of this. I'm expecting stuff that's cute, funny, and uh, a lot of I Am Groot lines. Marvel Zombies. We are getting a full-blown spinoff of that. I guess you could call it a spinoff because there was that what-if episode but there's right. been several issues of marvel zombies published over the last few years i think they were all miniseries right they were all kind of self-contained they tied in together but there were been, I think, four of them but they all were like six six issue miniseries so this will probably just be my hunch just a, a straight up uh, adaption of, of those stories and they did a good job i might add in what if of taking what was canon in the mcu adapting what was canon for the comics and combining the two. Because there are major characters, the most prevalent being Magneto in the comics, zombies, that have not been introduced yet into the MCU. So they had to figure out a way around that. And they did. They made Hope and Vision and Scarlet Witch and Scott Lang fill the roles of other characters from the comics that they hadn't introduced yet in the MCU. That if they switched it around so it made sense for those that aren't familiar with the comics. Does that make the volume saying? Oh, yeah. But are familiar with the MCU. Yeah. And yeah, they might absolutely. continue down that road. But by the time it gets around, they may have introduced Magneto. Who knows? It, it, it's very possible. Now, I, I'm definitely going to give you the floor a little bit for the next one here because I know we, we, you like this character. We've talked about it before, Moon Knight. We didn't really get a full-blown trailer. Not what I would call a trailer. It was more of a sizzle reel, but it looks like right. this is going to deal heavily with Mark Spector's learning of his multiple personalities. Because my understanding, what Little right. Moon Knight that I have read, I actually did get a reprint of the the first Moon Knight stories from the 70s. I haven't sat down and read the whole thing, but I've it, it's literally a reprint of some of the stuff from the 70s. From mm-hmm. the, What was that? I think it was House of Dracula that he... Uh, debuted in right Tomb of Dracula. Tomb of Dracula. Okay, but we get a glimpse of it in these trailers where Mark kind of comes to like he's blacked out, and then he's standing. And there's all these unconscious people around him that he clearly beat up. And my understanding is right. that is kind of how Mark learns of his multiple personalities. When he changes mm. personalities, he doesn't remember necessarily doing. He has to learn to control that effectively. Right. Now, Loon Knight is one of those characters that has been retconned and his backstory has been tweaked over the years. Mm-hmm. The original run he was in wasn't to the Dracula. That was where Blade was in. Oh, okay. But that was around the, the same time that, that they decided to heck with the comic codes. Well, Stan Lee did, and they started bringing the horror stuff back. Mm-hmm. Concurrent to Tomb of Dracula and Blade, they had another title called Werewolf by Night that introduced Loon Knight. Okay. Mark Spectre character. 
And that character, that take on the character was more of your straight lay. Uh, it was, it was the shadow. It was Batman. It was a rich guy with an alter, alter ego, vigilante gadgets who just happened to specialize in hunting like Hanfield. Then, uh, then, then when he's reintroduced 10 years later in the eighties and the second printing, there's more given to his story that his power comes from Khonshu, which is a, an ancient Egyptian moon God. And that explains why his, all his weaponry and, and imagery is based on this crescent moon. And there's even a storyline where a time traveling Clint Barton uh, goes back to Egypt and some of the weapons that Mark Spector uses are weapons that Clint made in ancient Egypt. Oh, okay. <laughs> but the, the most current iteration of Moon Knight, which seems to be the one that they're leaning into, which came about, I want to say late 80s, early 2000s. I can't quite put place my thumb on the time for that, but it's a third edition. This is when the concept of he, of the multiple personalities, or what we call in my field, dissociative disorder, which is the, the generic term for that will commonly be called schizophrenia, multiple personality, where it's explained all, before all his different aliases were explained previously in the first two editions as just all three goes that he took in the course of his investigating crimes. Now, in this new iteration, it's like I said, started about 20 years ago. He actually becomes that person. He doesn't even realize becoming that person. It's Sybil. And that seems to be where they're going with this particular take, which makes sense. It's the most current iteration, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 even in the. I, I seriously doubt people who go to your comic book store who read Moon Knight, are, they're probably, most of them are, are, are between what, 15 and 30. They're not 50 like I am. And so their introduction to the character was probably the third edition, not the first edition like me. Yeah, because even with Eternal, they have now changed the Eternals so that they match more like what they look like in the movies because they figure there's going to be people that saw the Eternals movie and then they're going to go and see the Eternals comics. Well, if they find out that, wait a minute, this isn't Salma Hayek, this is a guy. So they just turned the characters and changed them to make them match how they like in the movies. Yeah. I did find that issue. It's actually a reprint of Werewolf by Night number 32. So yeah, you're yeah. right. It was Werewolf, not, not Dracula. The analogy I'll make about this is one that I've made before to people who aren't comic book fans versus people who are comic book fans of different generations. And I actually bring, easy to bring up this analogy to try to make the people. For our parents' generations, the Joker will always be Cesar Romero. Well, yeah, yeah. For you and me, the Joker will always be a combination of Mark Hamill and Jack Nicholson. Probably, yeah. For the next generation, their generation of, 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 of Joker will always be, be Heath Ledger. And for my kids, their, their, their Joker is always going to be Jared Leto. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make any of them right or wrong. They're just, they're just different yeah. takes on the same yeah, character. different takes on the same character, exactly. And I think all four of them brought something unique and different to Joker. Mm -hmm. Same thing here. I, it's like you were talking about earlier with Spider-Man. You understand, you like Tom Holland, but... That Tom Holland's Peter Parker is not the Peter Parker that you grew up reading. But that's okay. That's okay. This Moon Knight is not the Moon Knight that I fell in love with when I first read the character as a kid in the early 80s, reading old 70s comics. And that's fine. I, I don't yeah. dislike the third edition and this yeah. idea of him having dissociative disorder. It's a different take. And Oscar Isaac's a good actor, so knock it out of the park. Yeah, yeah. I think he's going to be great. He's a, oh, he's a fun character. I hope, and they do a little bit in the comics, not as much. It was more the second run. But I think they will, and I'll tell you why I think they're going to do this when I explain it. I, think, I, I hope that they, and I think they will, lean a little bit more to the supernatural element of Moon Knight. And the reason I say that is they don't that much of the comics. They do in the second edition, but not in the current third edition. But I also think they held off on this character until they decided to bring supernatural into the MCU. 
And Kevin Feige has openly stated Doctor Strange was going to be the first character that was truly uh, occult, mystical, and he was going to be the doorway for those type characters and storylines in the MCU. And since then, we have seen the WandaVision and tapping more into Wanda's mystical powers. We, I think we're going to see a little bit of that with Doctor Strange being involved in Spider-Man. Even though it's the Sony's Marvel crossover, we're getting Morbius. That's also delving into that. We know Blade's coming. I think that's why they held off on Moon Knight until now, was they are going to go somewhat into that. And they just wanted to wait until they introduced that concept in the MCU already. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think he is another one of those characters, like Hawkeye, quite frankly, although I think Hawkeye is probably a little more mainstream known, that doing a Moon Knight feature blockbuster film might have been a little risky. But it's much less mm-hmm. risky to do it as an exclusive series on Disney mm-hmm. Plus because that the more dedicated Marvel fans, that's going to be more appealing to them than the general populace just seeing, who's this Moon Knight character that looks like Batman dressed in white instead of black? I know we've, we've talked about that I before, mean, that he's kind of looked, looked at as Marvel's Batman, but it, it, it's just, right, I'm right. sorry, there, there are people that just make that analogy. No, there right. are a lot. Of, that's like the first description of Moon Knight if you look him up in Wikipedia. Yeah, but 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 regardless, regardless, am I wrong? Because I understand uh, confirmational bias. I always kind of look for the supernatural, myth, mystical elements of things because that's what I tend to gravitate towards. Right. Am I wrong in, in saying that the MCU has introduced more supernatural and and mystical elements ever since Doctor Strange movie came out a few years ago? No, no, I, I think you're right because they really didn't show what Wanda could do until. Uh, I think it was after the Doctor Strange movie because she made her debut and essentially in Age of Ultron. But they didn't really go pedal to metal with her powers until WandaVision. Well, we know she got her powers from the the Mind Stone and the Scepter because the Doctor lifts and and Von Strucker's experiments, right? Mm -hmm. This is is her origin story in the MCU. She's not a mutant like she is in the comics. So once we see the story of what the Infinity Stones are and what the Mind Stone is, there is a supernatural mystical element to them. And, and, and so, like I said, maybe I, I, I gravitate towards that because that's, that's what I like. But I'm glad to see someone who doesn't gravitate towards that, seeing that, that, that the increase in that as well. Right. Agatha Harkness, we just talked about her. She's straight up magic. And right. now they're doing a series on her. Like I said, we know Blade's coming because Bashar Ali's been, been cast as him. He's gonna, I think he'll do fine, but he's going to be hard-pressed to be Wesley Snipes' take on the character. Because Wesley so, Snipes yeah. is like the perfect Blade. He really was. Yeah, but I, I digress. Agree. We already got the Reyes Ghost Rider for that half a season of Age of the Shield, but they've already said, like you said, he's coming back. And I, mm-hmm. I do fully expect Ghost Rider to pop back up at some point, you know? Yeah. Only a matter of time. So, yeah. And let's be honest, I've always said this, and people looked at me sideways. There's a certain element to supernatural to Thor and the Asgardians. Yeah. They're, they're gods for crying out loud. Well, Thor even says himself when he explains the Jane. What you call magic, we call science in my mm-hmm. world. They blended. Freaking is a witch. She said so herself. Yeah. So I think there's two things in, in comic books, and it's why there's so many different subgenres of geekery that are always going to be prevalent in comic books and comic book media. That is science fiction and fantasy slash uh, supernatural. They're always going to exist. Because how do you explain away these fantastical beings and powers without stretching the truth of sci-fi or saying they're magic? You can't, can you? No. Everybody loves Tony Stark. He's great. But his technology is total science fiction. We're not even close to, to tapping into some of the stuff that, that Tony does in the movies or the comics. 
but because it's presented to us as science fiction, we buy it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like Thor, but when you explain it away, it's well, he's magic. Okay. Yep. And and for those who don't like it, I turn to one of my favorite characters from DC, Batman, with Zatanna, one of the most powerful magicians in the DC universe, asks him, "Why don't you like magic? Because it doesn't have any logic. It makes no sense. It has its own rules." Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's a very Bruce Wayne right. thing to say, but Bruce tends to lean into the science because it's something he can get his mind around. He doesn't like magic because he can't. Right. I just think there's more possibilities than there is a science fiction, but there is massive possibilities. Absolutely, yeah. Now, moving on uh, through the M's here, uh, Miss Marvel. Yeah, and Marvel in the comics, they've definitely been pushing Kamala Khan as a, a, an A-lister. Uh, certainly likes, she looks like a good character, though. I like, I like yeah, Kamala Khan. Yeah, yeah. And, and we do see her in both kind of a mock-up tribute costume to Captain Marvel. And this is going to happen in 2022. They really didn't show too much of her powers. It was like the, the oversized fists and stuff like that. But I, my mm. hunch is this looks like it's going to be a little bit more lighthearted than the others. Because it's going to kind of capture mm. that teenage vibe and it does look like hawkeye is going to be pretty intense but we'll get into that in the next segment when we review hawkeye right. this this looks like yeah there's going to be some action in it but it looks like it's going to be more of that kind of kid-friendly pg type well, entertainment kind of kind of lighthearted. the mm-hmm. character is the comics so i i don't have a problem with going that i think the thing about giving my soapbox here okay then your ten thousand word blog post i think marvel banks on the fact that he's female and she's muslim her popularity and i will admit that probably makes that that definitely makes her unique and makes and makes her interesting because there's no other muslim characters like major characters i can think of especially as a good guy in the marvel comics but where i like miss marvel the kamala khan character that's all i don't care about that it's important to who the character is because it plays into what i'm getting ready to say but -hmm. what makes her fun is she's just like the peter parker of old she's a teenager who kind of hero worships literally these heroes and now she has powers, and she's trying to find her way as a normal kid, but also a normal kid who has superpowers. That's a good story. It's told good. Yeah. You can it do it well, it works. Parker. Yeah. It worked for Dick Grayson when he was Robin. It works for, on a certain level, for Johnny Storm when he becomes a human torch, because he's only a college kid, you know? Mm-hmm. When you tell that story, it's good. Now, the fact that she's female, the fact she's Muslim, that's just dressing to part of the other issues she has. That makes her a bit of an outsider, so it's harder for her to adjust. That's what makes the Kamala Khan character fun to me. It mm-hmm. is a story. It is, it is tried and true in the comic book world, and when told well, always works. And this silliness that they want to say, well, this is why she's, because people want to see this. No, they want to see good stories about, about real-life struggles that all of us have, no matter what our gender, our religion. Yes, those affect why we might have struggles. And that's why her story works, Marvel. It's because it's a good story that all kids, no matter what their backgrounds, can relate to. Not yeah. because of it. Yeah. That's just a part of it. The real story is she has struggles. Every teenager has struggles in every culture. That's why this works, Marvel. I wish they would realize yeah. that. But yeah. I'll get off my soapbox now. Yeah. yeah. I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll also add to that is I'll, I'll, I'll agree that I think the vast majority of comic fans just give us good stories with good characters, and we're usually pretty happy. I love how adults try to extrapolate and position their own shortcomings and their own failures and their own concerns on kids who don't have them to begin with. Mm-hmm. But I digress. Yeah. <laughs> now we're all moving... guilty of that as adults, I think. So I, I've said for a while now that the one I'm looking forward to the most, and this is still what I'm looking forward to the most, Secret Invasion, 
This of is, of course, you are. <laughs> oh yeah, a couple of reasons. Uh, it was a, you, it was an interesting story when it was done ten years ago sure. or so in in, in the comics. Sure, but sure. this also looks like it's going to be Sam Jackson as Nick Fury front and center. Like like he is going to be the the main character. And there is a released publicity photo of Samuel Jackson without the eye patch. So he's got the the scratch across his eye and the and the, the the blind eye, but he's got like this full beard that that's graying and he just looks really grizzled and not the well kempt trademark goatee that he's had for the last thirteen years. So it looks like mm-hmm. this is going to be kind of the old badass fury coming out, and that has me at hello. I'm guessing it probably does for and you too. And this is a property that is going to have Monica Rambeau in it, correct? Yes, yes. And she's also going to be in the Marvels with Kamala Khan and Brie Larson, Carol, correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, she's she, she'll be in both. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's going to become a major player. I think. I don't yeah. know if she's going to become like one of the top guys, but I could see the Monica Rambeau character filling a similar role to Rhodey or Sam that we saw in the first couple phases. Don't you agree? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Like like she might not be one of the big three, but she might be like the, the character that's. Uh, in all of the other spinoff movies, as well as like the Avengers proper, you might say. Right. Like I said, she's going to become like the Ant-Man, the Falcon, War Machine. Yeah. Yeah. So She-Hulk, we got our first glimpse at uh, Tatiana Maslany as Jennifer Walters. We got a tease of her as She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. They basically kind of panned her up from from behind. They didn't show her face. Uh, it looks like it's going to have her kind of tongue-in-cheek sense of humor. Plus, there's a quick picture at the end of the trailer or sizzle reel that shows Mark Ruffalo dressed up in all denim similar to Bill Bixby's uh, David Banner. In a laboratory similar to the one that's at the opening credits of the old Bill Bixby TV show that, where the accident happened. Right, that was right. Great. So that's, that's definitely a wonderful Easter egg for people like us. And and I've always liked Mark Ruffalo's take on the Hulk, so it'll it'll be nice to, yeah. to see him back. He does a great job as Banner. He does yeah. a great job as Banner. And this is another one that we talked about when we were prepping for the show. There's a lot of speculation. Whether it happens or not, I don't know. It would be a place to do it if they want to. If they want to bring Charlie Cox back as Matt Murdock, this is a place to do it. Especially since he's an attorney, much like how Jennifer is. So it would make total sense for them to be at opposite ends uh, of a courtroom, one one with the prosecution and one with the defense. Is is a prosecutor. She works for the district attorney's office. Matt Murdock, of course, is a defense attorney. Mm -hmm. So the, the chances of the two of them being at odds against each other they're higher than they than all the characters. So right, right, absolutely. And I can't remember if Matt actually has romantic entanglements with Jennifer in the comic books, but it wouldn't surprise me because in the comic books, Matt Murdock is quite the captain of. He he mm-hmm. has relationships with several different attractive female characters with the you in the comics. You and me were prepping. We we would do it. Electra, Karen Karen Page, Natasha, a few other from Hulk to Spider Man. This is one of those that I just kind of can sum up in one word, which is why. And that's Spider Man freshman year. <laughs> this looks to tell the story of Peter Parker before he was bitten by a radioactive spider, and really just about any incarnation of Peter Parker in the comics. It's like he'll usually say in his inner monologues that his life's really boring outside of being Spider Man. So I don't get how this was supposed to be interest interesting. I don't know. Whether Tom um, Holland will do a voice you know, role or, or what? The only thing I can think of is maybe they're going for the, a pup named Scooby-Doo vibe. Well, we saw Mystery Inc. gang as, as kids and pu- Scooby-Doo as a puppy. Maybe more for the Twitter crowd. Maybe that's yeah. what they're going for? Yeah, well, possibly. I'll, I'll reserve judgment until I actually see it. But it, it, I just, to me, there there's doesn't seem to be much 
appeal on paper of a Spider-Man who's not Spider-Man. The empowered Spider-Man. Right. <laughs> or unempowered right. Spider-Man, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think you, I'm with you, I don't think you need a whole lot for Peter to say, my life before I, I was bit by a spider was really boring. He was your right. typical geeky kid. Mm-hmm. He got picked on, he was bullied, he did good in school, he wasn't a great athlete, then the spider bit him and everything changed. Exactly. Yeah. Coming to the end of the list here, we've got two left. What if, uh, I know it Peter might... Did. Yeah, there was kind of a a mixed response, but it has been cleared for second season. I don't know if it will continue that kind of alternate universe with Ultron with all the stones or if they'll just keep doing the the one-off episodes like they did for most of the first season. But I liked it enough that I'll definitely watch the second season. I think we're kind of in the same boat there, right? Oh, yeah. I'm sure Jeffrey Wright is is going to reprise his role as Uatu, correct? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd actually be disappointed if he doesn't. Do we ever see a, a CGI version of him in the movie? I know we already got that version that was like the post credit scene with, with Stan talking with Stan, to the Watchers yeah, yeah. in general. I don't think we got him actually talking on camera. Do you think we ever will? I think it's a matter of time, especially if we start getting people like Galactus showing up. I think Galactus is only a matter of time before we get him. Well, we know Kang's already here, so it's, right. it's quite possible. And finally, this was probably the biggest surprise and the most welcome one. Again, talk, when you talk about our generation of, of geeks, the biggest announcement was X-Men 97. And as the name implies, it'll be the X-Men in the year 1997. And not only that, it appears to be a continuation of that iconic animated 1990s series with that awesome theme music and, and all that. This probably won't hit Disney Plus until 2023 because they're really just announcing the titles, but... I know Marvel has confirmed that they're going to get as many of the original voice actors back as possible. I actually made a mistake here. I thought it was Steve Bloom as Wolverine because he'd been Wolverine for 20-some years. But right. I'm blanking on the actor's name, but it was but the actor who was Wolverine in the series. That was actually before Steve Bloom took up that role. So I, I, I'm really curious to see what the animation will look like, how much they will make it actually look like 1990s hand animation or if it'll be cgi or something in between or cell animated but before this comes out i'm definitely going to watch all four or five seasons of the original series because that's one of the things that helped me get back into comics in the 90s because they were doing stuff that they had done in the 80s that i had read like the rise of mr sinister and stuff like that well like i told you off like the only thing i'm worried about that show is they better have that awesome theme song yeah the little ear, the little ear wig that gets in your mind. It's kind of like the Halloween three commercial thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As soon as we get done here, I'm probably going to pick up my keyboard and try to figure it out on piano. We were really lucky in the early nineties with animated comic book properties. Cause you had Batman, the animated series and, and X-Men come out around the same time. And two of the best, most iconic theme songs. Now, granted, Batman, the animated series used the Danny Elfman theme from the 89 Tim Burton movie. But that's still, mm-hmm. I think this, that is the Batman. Yep. I think it, it, it's fun as Batman is, that's better. And the, yep. the, the, the X-Men theme is, I was a little disappointed when they didn't use it or even a, a variation of it in the live action movie. Personally, that's how much I liked the song. Yeah, I was expecting it too. We even got the yellow spandex line, but it took, what, five, six movies before we finally got the Ramones version of the Spider-Man theme in a Spider-Man movie? And then there was also, if you listen to the uh, Kessel score, there are elements of the old Spider-Man oh, yeah, animated definitely. theme in there. Mm-hmm. So they're there. We got none of that in the live action X-Men. And quite frankly, that was a little bit of a disappointment to me. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. We haven't had only the one Hulk 
MCU movie, standalone movie. When are we going to get the Lonely Man theme? That is the saddest song ever written. Yeah. And it was just so fitting for that show. And the time they missed a great opportunity. When the Hulk turns off Nat on the comms and puts the stealth mode on the Quinjet and takes off at the end of Age of yep. Ultron, that was the moment they should have played that song. Am I wrong? Oh, no. No, that did. did, did I think I would have burst into tears in the theater right at that moment. I would have felt like that I was five was, all over that, again. Like, that is right up there with what you and I have said. They missed, they, they totally missed an opportunity to have Strange and Tony arguing and somebody like, like Nick Fury go, no shit, Sherlock. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the two biggest missed opportunities in all of the MCU. That nobody said the no shit Sherlock line. And if there wasn't, they didn't drop the Lonely Man theme at any point in there. Right. Like even the, 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 the junkie XL theme for a Wonder Woman and the Wonder Woman movie has a little bit of the old Linda Carter TV show. Yeah. Theme. No, it also has a little bit of immigrant song in it too, I think. But, but that, that fits. Oh, yeah. But we, we straight up have immigrant song in the Sword stuff. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if you understand what the lyrics of that song are about, was that not the perfect song to pick for that oh, for that theme? Absolutely, yeah. It's just hammer of the god. They're talking about mule deer in the lyrics, mm-hmm. but, but anyway, yeah. I digress. Never about yeah. music. <laughs> yeah. No, but we agree. We want that song in, in X Men '97, right? Yep, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, getting away from Marvel, we'll talk a little bit of Star Wars here. There was some concept art that was shown on a behind the scenes special for the Obi Wan Kenobi series. Which I believe they are just calling Obi Wan Kenobi. But, oh, they were just calling uh, Obi Wan. I didn't. They, they, they were even the Kenobi on. I thought it was just called Obi Wan. Yeah. Or am I wrong? Maybe we're both wrong. If it were me, I would just call it Kenobi. But that—that's just personal preference. That and, works too. Yeah, that works too. But we we do see a, a painting. It looks like of Obi Wan on the back of an EOP animal. Of course, these are the animals. Probably, we probably most remember them in. Phantom Menaces, there's one of them that farts in Jar Jar's face. So I don't know if we'll get them farting right. on, on the Kenobi series. They're native but, Tatooine, correct? Yeah, at least part of it's going to be on Tatooine. It certainly looks like that's where he is when he's on this creature. I don't know if you're going to include this, because I haven't seen all the pictures you're going to put You're going to put the link for in the show notes. Did you see the Felicity still that has an obvious turn to the dark side, Hayden Christian, Anakin, and like a, like a half Darth Vader mask? Like a close-up of his eyes glowing? I think I saw something like that. I don't think that's part of the, the, the concept uh, art. But, but yeah, I've seen stuff oh, like okay. that. Okay. Yeah, But there is a picture that looks like there's Imperial Stormtroopers, like in some sort of palace or castle. It looks like it's got really big uh, windows or archways. It'll be interesting to see what that is. There, there's this black transport ship that looks like it's some sort of Imperial transport. It looks kind of sleek and o- almost like a... Imperial version of a giant A-wing, like if an A-wing could seat like 20 people in it. One of the most uh, underrated of all the rebel calls on my Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I always liked A-wings. There's something I'm a big wing fan, too, but it is what mm-hmm. it is. <laughs> yeah, they're cool, too. There is something that almost looks like a throne room that would be for the Emperor. It might be Castle Vader, but it also looks like it could be the Emperor maybe communicating with Vader. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Ca- Vader builds his castle and his, his home base after the events of, of Revenge of the Sith on Mustafar, correct? Right. That they, uh, It was confirmed that that brief scene in Rogue One where Krennic meets Vader, that is, is on Mus- Mustafar. Is, yeah. is Mustafar. Yeah. I guess it makes sense because Anakin would see that as the birthplace of Darth Vader. Right, right. That was where Anakin Skywalker died and where Darth Vader was truly born. So that's where he lives. Right. It, 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 ma- it makes sense from a storytelling standpoint. Right. But yeah, there, there's definitely what looks like a, a Castle Vader. 
It looks like Vader's uh, sitting in his own little throne looking at something. Oh. But the the big picture that I think has gotten the most interest in fans is it clearly looks like it's Vader and Obi-Wan in a lightsaber duel. It might be on Mustafar. It might be somewhere else where there's a bunch of burning in the background. But that definitely seems to imply, because I've thought of this for years, could Obi-Wan and Vader have met up at some point between episodes three and four? And I think we talked mm-hmm. about it off mic that, well, you could say Obi-Wan won round one and Vader won round three, which would be the, the rubber match. Maybe there was like a draw in the second one. And this one, mm-hmm. my my hunch is there may be enough doubt in Vader's mind that whatever this confrontation is, that Obi-Wan dies. Because even going back in the original Star Wars, A New Hope, when Vader first senses Obi-Wan's presence, he's like, okay, this is weird. And Tarkin's like... I haven't sensed this. In, even since I haven't sensed it in years. Right, right. And, and Tarkin's like, no, he, he must be dead now. Which, of course, asks the question, how much does Tarkin know? Does Tarkin know that Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader? My hunch is he does. But, or did. He does. I'm sure he does. I'm thinking Tark- Tarkin's in the Emperor's inner circle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he was one of the few guys that would, I don't know if, you know, if you'd say talk down to Vader, but he pretty much, he was able to make Vader back off of things. He, so, he, he, I think, at least in his mind, he saw Vader as an, at best an equal. So if Vader was the right-hand man, maybe Tarkin's the left-hand man, so to speak. Now, if you want to go into the weeds on that, what's his name from Mandalorian? It's the Giancarlo Esposito character. Gideon. Monkey, I don't think he was in the uh, Emperor's inner circle like Grandma no. Tarkin was. No. But I think he was on the periphery. Right. He probably had his own planet or, or maybe system of planets that he had in his corner of the galaxy, yeah. whereas Tarkin was more his like little, the regional. His, yeah, his little fiefdom, so to speak. <laughs> right, right. So, well, that, that winds up the Disney Plus Day talk. A lot of interesting stuff to, to come about. Uh, I'll probably be counting the days until we get Obi-Wan, because this looks like it's going to be as Star Wars as you get. Uh, was there anything else you, that caught your eye as far as Disney, Disney stuff? Or No, no. I think the Sizzle World that we just broke down is only about, what, 15 minutes long in total? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though we spent an hour talking about it. <laughs> right, yeah. So it's, yeah, well worth like... it if you're, if you're, you're well, it's well worth it if you're a Disney Plus subscriber. If you got 15 minutes tomorrow in between football games and, and stuffing yourself with turkey, turn on Disney Plus and watch the 15 minutes. <laughs> And heck, see what we're talking about. heck, you might see something that we missed, which would be very interesting. So, right. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. Or we will dive into uh, the first two episodes something. of Hawkeye. We did miss something. Oh, okay. I just told you I'm listening to it. And, and you said, said if we might have missed something. We did. They also, which we already knew, just confirmed that there is going to be a season two of Loki. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I, I probably but didn't add this, that in my notes. Because we already knew about it. <laughs> yeah. But this is just, they, they did include that in the so, you know. Okay. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll dive into the first two episodes of Hawkeye in this very Disney-heavy show. This is Geekville Radio, and we'll be right back. Are you looking for a gaming-themed podcast? Then check out You Just Got Fragged. Join host Jared Aubrey and his panel of gaming enthusiasts as they discuss news and accomplishments in the gaming world, and, of course, the gripe of the week. That's all at YouJustGotFragged.com part of the Wrestling Brethren Podcast Family. Attention all Time Lords and Ladies, this message is being sent by Lady President Romana and the High Council of Gallifrey. Heatville Radio presents Examining the Doctor. 
join Mark and Seth as they bring their signature blend of knowledge and humor about everybody's favorite time lord, the Doctor. From Hartnell to Whitaker, Examining the Doc provides episode commentaries for favorite and not-so-favorite Doctor Who stories. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, GeekGoRadio.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. So you got two choices, you understand? I could take this, the ten sword, and you pretend to die, and I take that suit. Or I'm going to real punch you, and you're going to real fall down, and I'm going to take that suit. Just let me kill you. I had to use that line for the segue into Hawkeye because that is just such a Clint Barton-like line there. Because J- Jeremy Renner, he gets it down as far as who Clint Barton is and the kind of wise guy, right. although very intelligent wise guy. I like that whole thing because we'll talk about it more in detail when we get to that point in second episode. But with dealing with Marpers, how how is that? Our, our dearly departed friend, Norco Kipti, of course, uh, I met him through fandom of a wrestling promotion I wrestled at. Another one of the regular fans was was a girl named Jennifer Sigmund, who I believe follows Geekville. I know she follows Examining the Dead, Classic Wrestling Memories mm-hmm. on, on pages. So I think she listens to it occasionally. She isn't actually a marper. Mm-hmm. She like, is hardcore into that. So when I yeah. saw that, I, was, I immediately thought of her and Norco. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My, that's, how my, that's how my brother met his wife. When they, they got two wonderful kids now, they got together through LARPing and are quite happy. So. That was Jennifer's oh. wife. If she wasn't going to wrestling shows on the weekend, she was LARPing. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's going to have their hobbies, right? <laughs> right. Again, this is another one that had been delayed for so long because of COVID and such. And I'll be the first to tell you, while I am not the biggest Hawkeye fan, I can lay out the argument that he is actually one of the more important characters in the Marvel Universe because he is arguably the best team player, even though he's got... Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a bit of a loud mouth. He, he he is very intelligent. He is very good at what he does. I know there's the age-old debate of Hawkeye versus Green Arrow. I think we actually made that a subject in one of our episodes where we talked about, well, comic book inc- right. incarnations, Hawkeye wins. If we're talking Stephen Avell versus Jeremy Renner, Stephen Amell would probably win. But what I think is the perfect summary, at least in my word, for Hawkeye is that He's the best team player, and he's like the best partner. No matter who he's partnering with, somehow he can mm-hmm. make it work. It's like that tag team type thing where there, there's just some wrestlers just make the perfect tag partner for for other guys, whether they're tagging with big, he's scary, Bobby. yeah, big, scary, he's mean guys Bobby. or other technical guys. Exactly, yeah. It's probably the only only time you'll hear Hawkeye and Bobby Eaton in the same sentence. Yeah, wrestling, yeah <laughs> listeners that watch wrestling, they know what we're talking about. Right. God rest Bobby. But it's, it's, it's I think you're, you are, kind of laying the ground for, for what I've always thought about about Hawkeye. It, it plays into that. Is I think because of what you're talking about, he's a great leader. There's a reason why when they did West Coast Avengers, he was one of the leaders of the West Coast Avengers. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I think that is, is I think probably second only to Steve Rogers, Captain America. He's on the fly, in the field, in the heat of battle, tactician, strategist in the Avengers. Uh, and he is the only character that's going to add to that ultimate teammate or ultimate team player he's the only character who can say he w- he's been a member of the avengers and the justice league because in that justice league avengers crossover he was made an honorary member of the, of the justice league in that so he's yeah. technically part of yeah. both teams in two different universes yeah <laughs> so. yep and i think i brought up before when we talked about what we thought the show might be and as we get into the review you will see that this continues along 
this is a compliment to Jeremy Renner and your assessment of him getting the character. Jeremy Renner is a great actor at playing off of other other actors and especially mm-hmm. good at playing off female Kobe. Mm-hmm. And in very different types of dynamics, we see him as the loving husband to Linda Cardellini's Mora in the, in the, in the movies. We see him as the best friend, cohort, sidekick, whatever partner of Natasha in the movies. And we see him in the mentor role for Wanda in the movie. The show delves into his abilities as not only a mentor, but also as a father. Mm-hmm. And his play with his, the actress playing his daughter, Lila, and the actress playing Kate Bishop. Jeremy Renner is just a really, really good actor at doing that. And he's believable. There's no creep factor whatsoever. Yeah. You never it, think at any moment that there's any romantic chemistry between him and Natasha. It's just like they, they right. are best friends. They're like war buddies. The only character he's supposed to have romantic entanglement with is Laura, Linda Carlini. And even then, it's not overt. It just right. seems like they're a loving married couple. Yeah, uh, and even the scenes that they had together in Age of Ultron, Black Widow and, and Laura, it's like they actually seemed like they were pretty good friends. They looked like they've been the type that yeah. might have called each other at uh, at one in the morning or something like that. Well, their kids call Natasha Aunt Nat, so it's obvious that Clint gets that Natasha doesn't have a family, so he's kind of adopted her into his. Mm-hmm. And for full transparency, by the way, as we talk about it, I told you this off mic, our listeners know my predications for Haley Atwell. Linda Carolini's in that category as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, she yes, can play like about anything. That. One other thing about Jeremy Renner, I think he is now in a very exclusive club right now in, in that he has two series running at the same time because he's got Hawkeye on Disney Plus, and then I forget the name of it, but he's on his show on Paramount Plus. Mayor of Kingtown. It yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, I don't think it's an action thing. I think it's more of a more of a crime but, drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that, but I've, I've heard good things about it. And before I forget, uh, we do really need to wave the spoiler tag here. So one moment. Right. Spoiler alerts. Spoiler alerts. Spoiler hole has been breached. Spoiler hole has been breached. So episode one, we got two episodes uh, this morning. The the major points. Uh, that I put down in my review, which you can find at geeklerradio.com. You can find the show notes for this episode of Geekler Radio, geeklerradio.com slash 297. Now, I'm actually not that familiar with the Kate Bishop character in the comics. I know she's mm-hmm. a relatively new character because it's one mm-hmm. of those where Marvel was redoing a lot of their characters with different alternate personas. So, of course, Kate Bishop was a female Hawkeye, so... It was that time thing where they're kind of kind of rebranding a lot of their characters for for diversity's sake. Yeah. So I'm right. assuming this is similar in the comics that Hawkeye basically saved Kate Bishop's life. She kind of became the uber fan girl, and it's what inspired her to right. become an archer herself. They took mm-hmm. a, a scene, a memorable scene, straight out of the first Avengers movie. It, it was like the only time in that movie where they did the slow motion turn and move that I hate so much in so many action movies now, but. <laughs> Fortunately, Joss Whedon only did that when it was dramatically appropriate, and it was dramatically appropriate right. at that, that point. When he jumps off the side of the building and does the grappling hook yeah. arrow. <laughs> yeah, and then she sees it from another vantage point. So it was cool that, that, that they showed that. That's definitely felt like a comic book moment there. 
And I think also mm-hmm. we talked about off mic, the scene where he's watching the Avengers musical and just kind of the way he's reacting to it with his, with his kids and stuff. It's almost like he still kind of has PTSD over what happened. How, how did I describe it to you? I said, watching that is like watching Clint Barton's own personal hell. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Clint Barton character, the way they portrayed him in the movies to this point. He's not the kind of guy that's going to like musicals to begin with. Mm-hmm. He's also not a, a glory hound, but he is a loving father and wants to spend time with his kids. So he's in this real dichotomy. I'm spending time with my kids in New York City around Christmas time, but I'm having to watch not only something I normally would watch, something that's singing my praises, and it's wrong on top of that. <laughs> right, <laughs> like right. Is, I mean, I, I, I kind of... personal hell. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of equate it to a soldier or somebody like that watching a war production by somebody who has never been a soldier, who who doesn't right. know how any anything like that, that works. But it's, a, it's basically a Broadway musical. It can only be so accurate. Right. Rogers. It's called yeah. Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. We don't know if Steve's dead yet or not. We, we, we have to assume he probably is still alive, just old man Steve is. He's mm-hmm. probably rolling his eyes at that, too, because that is not oh, Steve yeah. Rogers thing either. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, even if he was still in his physical prime, Steve Rogers, he'd be like, yeah, I'm not. Don't ask me to, to no. come there because I'm not. <laughs> now, Thor would probably, oh, Thor would probably have, yeah. eat it up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, but unfortunately, Tony's dead and Thor's off-world, so... <laughs> yeah. The only thing missing in this, and I don't want to go off on a tangent because I'll, I'll, I'll derail us, but the only thing missing would have been a quick uh, butt-in commentary by Deadpool. Breaking the full, fourth wall. Yeah, yeah. Full in costume and everything. Instead of Stanley cameos, <laughs> we just have Deadpool cameos where he's the one delivering pizzas and stuff. You know Ryan Reynolds would be oh, so yeah. down to do that. <laughs> yeah. I think to, to talk to you what you're saying about the PTSD, and especially because of of Nat, even Lila daughter senses that when he mm-hmm. walks out of the of the musical early and says, "She's your best friend, Dad." I get it. She knows mm-hmm. it. She knows her dad. He's just one of those old school. I hate it. They call it toxic masculinity now. But he's an yeah. old school guy like that. Don't right. show your emotions. But to get back off that that touchy subject and back on the music, seems like I keep having a recurring theme with music in me. I well, I am a musician. Go figure. Yeah. I always love anything set around the Christmas time. We will not get into, into the age old debate is Die Hard a Christmas movie or yeah. not. I, I wasn't going to go there either. So <laughs> we'll let our listeners but, but, figure but, that but, one out. But that means <laughs> discuss online. We're not going to talk about that here. But with that being said, I am a big fan of, of Christmas music from that Kroner's hit parader era of like the 20s to the early mid 50s. Mm-hmm. And they use that liberally throughout the first episode to let you know we're in New York during Christmas time, which is kind of cool. I mean, the closing credits for the first episode is Andy Williams' most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, which is... Is that Absolutely, but still a great song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's probably the version of that song that you think of when you just hear the title of that song. It's probably the version you think of. It's the Andy Williams version. I mean, it's one of those tunes that's been recorded by multiple artists, but he obviously, it's his version. And I couldn't narrow down the... We wish you a Merry Christmas at the beginning, but that sounded almost like the Harry Connick version, didn't it? Oh, it could be. Yeah, I was thinking that or Michael Bublé or some, somebody like that. Right. Yeah, but to stay in the comic book world, the, the redheaded stepchild of the Arkham video game series is Origins. That was the only mm-hmm. one that wasn't done by uh, Rocksteady Studios. Yeah. That was one that Warner Brothers Montreal Studios did. It takes place on Christmas Eve, the, the story does in the game. The music throughout it is the same type thing. There's this awesome minor key dark version of carol of the bells that is mm-hmm. the, the 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 song that plays on the load screen mm-hmm. that's the one that has uh troy baker as a joker singing cold cold heart by hank yeah, williams right yeah. yeah 
by Hank Senior. Exactly. Yep. But the Carol Bells is in this, the scene where, where Kate is going through the kitchen during the auction scene with her mother mm-hmm. and, and, and stepdad or stepdad to be. They play Carol. You, you're familiar with Carol. Carol the Bells is oh, one yeah. of those songs I think people don't know the, the name of it. But for our listeners that don't know Carol the Bells, you might have heard it with lyrics because I sang it several times in choirs throughout my life. Mm-hmm. But there's also instrumental verses. That's the version <laughs> I am familiar with because when I was in school, we did it as a school production where there was about a dozen of us with bells in our hands. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine how complicated it would be because there's all those bells. <laughs> and so we each had one or two bells that, that we would have to do. And so it was just, you, ha- you had to get it in, in in perfect sequence, all these one person doing a bell at a time to do the do, 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 do. So it's pretty well, impressive in hindsight. Probably the most famous, famous use of that carol is in, a, in an actual Christmas movie, Home Alone, the original mm-hmm. with Macaulay Culkin. This is the song the kids are singing at the church when he finally meets his, his neighbor. Yeah, they're, I, I, they're, I they're singing so. that 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 carol. Yeah, the Ed Wolinsky arrangement, which is the pretty common choral arrangement that any every level of choir from elementary school choirs to the Mulberry Tabernacle Choir have sang that arrangement of that of that, that, that 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 yeah. carol. So anyway, what? Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I think I'm fucking free now. And back to back off, guys. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Just let me mention it is, and I, I just the thing on music is Christmas is one of those holidays that we have that there is obviously a lot of music written specifically for that holiday. Mm-hmm. I did a whole month's worth of Halloween music on my Facebook, but this was cool theme songs. Very few of those songs were actually written for Halloween, except right. for maybe Monster Mash. Christmas is one of those holidays we have where people go out and write songs, both secular and, and sacred, specifically for the holiday. And it just always helps on a TV show or a movie, whether it is a Christmas movie or just a, a movie or TV show set around the Christmas season. It sets the mood. I just wanted mm-hmm. to get that off my chest. Yeah, uh, but one thing that just jumped into my head because in the end, we have, I think we and probably most of our listeners have familiarity with home gaming. When uh, Kate stumbled across that dog outside the Christmas party, it's like when the way it settled uh-huh. down on that dog, I'm like, okay, this dog has a side quest to offer. <laughs> That's just what jumped into my mind when I saw that. So I, I should probably make a meme out of that. <laughs> so. Well, back to Halloween, for me, I saw that dog, and I'm thinking of the Bobby Bear Marie Laveau. Oh, the, yeah. With the one-eyed dog, one-eyed mm-hmm. three-legged dog. <laughs> yeah, that's a great song. And well, why is every dog that you've ever met that has three legs the one I called Lucky? But I pray, I pray and it, that the dog actor in this movie that that actually, he actually missing an eye and it's not CGI, that they actually found like a, a shelter dog and trained him because that would be a cool mm-hmm. story. Yeah. Much like W.D. Fields would say, there's two things you don't want to act against, animals and children. This dog shows you why he said that because the dog feels <laughs> everything he's in, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That dog has a side uh, quest. That dog. Yeah. Now, with the, the big kind of reveal or, or, or the big springboard in the first episode is that Armin, I forget the last name, he, he's murdered with a sword. And we know that Jack, you know, Kate's soon-to-be stepfather, he's very experienced with swords, so right away she's suspecting him. Now, I've seen enough mysteries and read enough mysteries and watched enough uh, and written enough to know that the suspect in the first act is usually not the culprit. A red herring? Yeah, I think Jack's a red herring uh, I think he's probably going to turn out to be a decent guy in the end. I know I did give the episode one subtitle, your mom's marrying a supervillain or something like that, because that's kind of 
they, they they were hinting that the mother the mother might be up to nefarious uh-huh. means as well. No, I, I don't think uh, she is. I think she is. Right. And, and and we forgot to mention the mother is played by uh, Vera Farmiga, which just is yet another current A lister in Hollywood added to the list of MCU actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. For those not familiar with Vera Farmiga, she's probably most known mainstream as the role of Lorraine Warren in the Conjuring horror movie franchises, which I've always said it's got to be tough to play somebody who actually was a real person. And yeah. who does that in these oh, movies? Yeah. I believe she might have actually won a BAFTA, which is the the, the British uh, equivalent to the Oscar for uh, another role outside of the Conjuring. So she is a award-winning actress who's fairly well-known nowadays. But she just adds to that long list of that's what Marvel does now, isn't it? Yeah. They go out and get get well-known actors. Act- now, we've said it before, when they got RDJ, that was a risk because he was kind of persona non grata because of his personal issues before the Iron Man role. That kind of that kind of revitalized him. Yep, and I, I can still say, and I think I can probably prove it through enough internet searches, I was saying that in 2006 or 2007, I was like, for RDJ, bipolar alcoholic actor playing bipolar alcoholic superhero. Uh, What's the problem? Yes. Yeah. So but, exactly. Um, it, it, other than him and Samuel L, they did. But as time has gone on, Benedict Cumberbatch is hot, and they've now got Vera Farmiga. She's kind of hot. They got her. Yeah. Gardellini's pretty well known. They've got her. Yeah, Jeremy she, Renner was fairly was on was on the was on the rise. Even Haley Steinfeld. Think, if she's not an A lister, she's a B plus. Mm-hmm. I mean, Scarlett Johansson was on the rise when they cast her as, as Black Widow. I don't know. Gwyneth Paltrow's polarizing, but she was definitely well respected oh, yeah. when they cast her. Yeah. And and Linda Cardellini, she is proving that she can play anything. She's, I mean, she's very dramatic in this. There's some comedy, but she's shown mm-hmm. she can do comedy in Scooby-Doo. She can kind of yep. play the, the sex symbol like uh, like gal. Heck, her first, her first known role was Freaks and Geeks back when TV and double comedy. Hmm. You know, I actually didn't know you that. You know, with but... Seth Rogen. Yes, Seth Rogen and all them, before any of them were even known as movie stars, they were still just skipping yeah. into Hollywood. But I, that's what Marvel does now. They go out and get well-known actors and actresses and cast them in these roles. And if they aren't well-known, like I cannot remember the actress's name that plays Monica Rambeau, believe me, by the time Marvel's over, she'll be a known entity. God rest Chadwick Boseman. He was another guy who was on the rise when they cast him as Black Panther, wasn't he? Absolutely. Now, if this so, was you know. 30 years ago... Or so, maybe late 80s, early 90s. Maybe I'm just thinking of, of Hotel too much, but Jack would have definitely been played by James Brolin. He, or Edward James almost, because he looked a lot like, what's his face? His yeah. character from Okay, Miami I can Vice. see that too. Yeah, maybe maybe a little bit of Timothy <laughs> Dalton in there, but that, that's probably because the actor's last name is Dalton, although he's no relation to Timothy Dalton. But uh, Yeah, but he did. I did not recognize at first Armand, the murder victim, but then I realized, oh, he was one of the guys that was in Amadeus. Uh, to say how the musical thing. He wasn't F. Murray Abraham, but he was in like Emperor Joseph's court. He was like one of the royalties. So mm-hmm. Simon Callow is, is the actor's name. And he's one of those character actors that I can't tell you what I've seen him in, but we've all seen him before. What did so, you feel about them having Clint have an hearing aid, having hearing problems now? I didn't have a problem with it at all. So, I mean, it, it would make sense uh, in being around all those explosions. And he he just kind of, he just kind of shrugs right. it off. Right. But, I, I kind of love this movie in the second episode where Kate notices the hearing aid and asks him about it. What happened? And they show him flashback. He's all the accidents. Right, right. He's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and I also have a little line to go back to the musical scene. His daughter's like, why aren't you listening, Dad? Which that's the first time I realized he has a hearing aid. Oh, I was yeah. there. I know what happened. If he yep. wasn't there, that guy, Ant-Man, yep. he wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which and- I think it's hilarious that that scene's in there. And it just happens to come, like, two weeks after Paul Rudd is named Sector's Man Alive by people. Is that, <laughs> that not is kind funny? Of, that is kind of funny because you know this was probably filmed over a year ago. 
So you talk about yeah. like just lucking into something, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but I really liked. You mentioned it uh, earlier. I, I did really like the the scenes with the LARPers because that that did seem to be like it was done with affection for how those people act. You know, where mm-hmm. they are pretty pretty normal people. The woman, I don't know if she was like the leader of the guild or, or whatever, but the one that Clint Take kind it of real seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she she looked like she just stepped out of a LARPing event. She was very believable in that role. I also but, liked how she brought up the fact too, because remember he finds that that clue about the LARPers as a sticker on the on the fire truck. Well, he's mm-hmm. investigating the fire cake house, and he has to leave the the Ronin costume behind. She says both of these people are cops and and firefighters. That's probably true. Mm-hmm. This is probably a good way for them to get out a lot of their, their pent-up frustration yeah. and, and and do that on the weekends. Yeah. And, and I will say this. One little interaction I've had with LARPers, I was like, you've had more because you have a family member. When they go into character, they take it real seriously. Absolutely. When they're in the middle of the game, you're talking to the character. But as soon as the game's over, they go, go back to their normal lives. You know. And yeah. I, let's be honest. I'm not, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. This is Geek Go Radio. LARPers are the ultimate geeks who kind of give geeks the stereotypes that we have. Yeah, they're the type I think that people think of. I'm not saying they they are like in real life, but I think it's kind of the stereotype where they think, oh, they don't shower or something like that. or They live in their mom's basement. They don't have real jobs. Yeah, although you've got to have some measure of income in order to make outfits like that. So that's really all I'm going to say on that. that, That's the disconnect there that people don't see. And it's just, you have to know the way that they do that. Like in that little opening line that you played there before we started the segment, that is so not in Clint's wheelhouse. He is such a down-to-earth guy. There's a reason why he had Nick set up the ranch. There's a reason why he likes to live off the grid. It's like we said throughout this whole review. It is who Clint is. Yeah. And this idea of fantasy game, I think the be- one of the best ways to describe Clint as presented the MCs, he's the reluctant hero. Mm-hmm. He kind of says as much to Wanda in the, that one scene in, in Age of Ultron. is like, like, we're fighting a bunch of robots and I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense, but it's my job. That's how Clint purchases it. Yeah, I think the closest I could compare him to off the bat would be Ben Grimm, the thing, because I think if Ben Grimm mm-hmm. had his way, He'd stop being the thing and just go home. Yeah. He'd go back to Glenn Street and be yeah. happy. You know? Yeah. I think if Clint could spend his days just being a father to his family, he'd be overjoyed to do that. They've presented a standoffish from the first time we see him in Thor when he's up in the crow's nest watching everything for, for Colson. Yeah. So you he's take down Thor, yeah. This is who Clint Martin is. And when the first line he has, his sense of humor is established. You want me to take the shot? Because I'm really starting to pull from this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so we know from the get-go who Clint Martin is. He is not a massively dynamic character. He has been presented as very static throughout the entire run of the MCU. And I don't think they try to change anything in this television show. He's still Clint, don't you think? Really, I think the the only thing I might have gotten wrong, I think I had speculated before that I think this might have been Clint's adventures while he was Ronan during the, the time of the blip or the snap. But this is clearly mm-hmm. a- after the fact. I mean, it, it's just kind of a fallout of that. What's, 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 what I speculate, that if you were to take out people like that, the organized Kyle, you're going to make a few enemies. And right. that seems to be where they're going. I do think there's comedic beats, and I mm-hmm. think Clint has some, but mm-hmm. it's still a very dry. Yeah. Um, what we did get very briefly at the end, we, we had a cameo by Echo, and it looks like she's one of the heads of the, uh, what, what, what were they called? The, the, the coat, tr- tracksuit track mafia. Suit mafia. 
Yeah, I, I, I was because even Kent, Kent points out that's a little bit on the nose, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I was actually expecting Yelena to be involved here because those guys were clearly Russian. So I thought, ah, okay, we're getting Yelena here. Maybe we still will. Maybe Yelena's above Echo here. But I mean, have you read Echo much in the comics? Because uh, I mean, the, no, she's my, one of the characters I know very little about. And it goes back to that type of thing. Well, since they have such a new character, that means they have a uh, a very broad canvas to work with. But I know one of the main things with her is that she's deaf and they, they kind of showed that by having her react to the really loud bass vibes in the whatever music she had blaring in yeah, her put quarters. her hand on, on the wolfers yeah 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 uh, and the way she was presented the brief scene we saw her the vibe i got as a dc guy is oh she's china white mm-hmm. who of yeah. course was the character on, on the arrow series yeah i could see that who is a a high level organized criminal in the dc universe who is of Asian descent with white hair, thus the name China White, who runs an illegal arms and drug ring in the Pacific and Indian Oceans, which is why she has a run-in with Ollie, because it just ties to that, that region in the D.C. universe. Kind of had that same vibe to me here. This is the way they presented her, like just a badass woman who's the head of, of organized crime, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, so. Hell, we might, even, we might even get a crossover with Sharon again, because Sharon's in that world too now. I think she, so. Because yeah. of yeah. Talking with a soldier. Very possible. I gave it an A. I gave both episodes an A. Yeah, as far as to close out our discussion here, we, we kind of can't talk about these without giving our predictions because I think we are, we, you you more so than me, but I think we do have a pretty good batting average when it comes to this stuff. Are we going to see a main villain here? Because we know Yelena is getting involved. There was the post credit scene in Black Widow that set the stage for right. Yelena to be an adversary in this. So I think we're getting her... I can't shake the possibility that maybe Kate's father may have faked his death and that he may be pulling the strings in that, all of this. He may, he may be the villain. He may be the villain. That's yeah. a Marvel thing. Especially, especially when we go back to Peter Parker. That seems to be more Peter Parker than any other Marvel character. But it just seems to be something in the Marvel way. Make the bad guy's villain have a, have a personal tie to the hero. Yeah, you see that in DC, especially with like you know, Harvey Dent, Bruce Wayne, and Thomas Elliott, Bruce Wayne. But other than that, and not that well, I mean, I guess there's with Eobard Thawne and 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 Barry too, you know, mm-hmm. with Eobard being the one, Eobard being the one who killed Barry's mom. But it doesn't see as something they they lean as heavily on in DC as they do in Marvel. Yeah. How many of Peter Parker's villains have have a they tie to Peter Parker? Mm-hmm. There is no bigger Spider-Man Stan Lee like moment than that first Spider-Man Tobey Maguire one where it, it's at the funeral. And Harry's like, oh, man, I, I'm going to avenge my father's death. But thankfully, I have you as my best friend, Peter Parker. I mean, that is so Stanley right there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, yeah. yeah. They, they present him in the movies as Octa- Octo- Octavius as a mentor to Peter, which I don't remember from the comics. But mm-hmm. Kurt Connors is a mentor for Peter in the comics. Yeah, he and legitimately won one of the teachers. Yeah. In, yeah, that is portrayed in the Andrew Garfield one. So. This is just a Marvel thing. So you're the Marvel guy. So I'm asking you on my on my favorite. Is there not a villain in Marvel called Swordmaster? Yes, yes, there is. I think I'm there's been this- more than one, and he's been a person. He's been cosmic level, but yeah, he's usually been a villain. I'm kind of thinking that either Kate's father or Jack wind up being Swordmaster and the ultimate puppet master behind all this. Yeah, yeah, that that that's very possible. I, but, I, like I said I didn't know. I know Swordmaster was not a DC character. I said, but I think there's a Marvel character named Swordmaster. 
Let me ask yeah. Seth, and I just saved it yeah. until we recorded tonight. Yeah, there, there, there definitely you. is. And so there, he... there, there's, there's my speculation. I think Swordmaster is going to be the overarching bad guy in this, and I think there's just too much allusions to swordplay in the first two episodes. Yeah, and because Kate's no slouch when it came to defensing. So no, she's two two time state champion, and there's a lot of emphasis on Clint's Ronin sword. And for those listeners and those fans out there who love the Ronin character and they were they were excited to see the Ronin character in the Infinity stuff, but not really delved into, we're watch this show. You're gonna see it here. Yeah. Yeah. I've said it before to to, to play off your PTSD analogy. Clint's time as Ronan in the MCU is the epitome of PTSD gone bad. Mm-hmm. He yeah, was agreed. not dealing with his PTSD well. For the horror analogy, the take on Laurie Strode in the new Halloween movies, same thing. When you become obsessed with whatever trauma that caused your depression to the point where you become as crazy as whatever caused you to go crazy, yeah, that's yeah. not that's not healthy. Yeah. That is not healthy at all. And, and I think Quint dealing with Matt death dealing with the fallout of the blip, dealing with, with everything, he has come to peace with what has happened, and he's buried Ronan. But unfortunately, when you do stuff like he did as Ronan, it doesn't just go away. And that's what this show's all about. I know right. some yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wind up this discussion on Hawkeye. Like I said, I gave both episodes an AM, so I'm sure you're probably in that, that same boat, right? Exactly. They've, they've, and, and I forgot to mention, the opening credit the font that they use and the way they spell Hawkeye, all lowercase letters, and the artwork they use is exactly a copy of the font they use for the covers of the Kate Bishop comics that have been around for about five years now. I mean, I mean they own it all, so they can do it. Right, <laughs> right, absolutely. But that is, when you buy new Hawkeye titles in the comic book store, that Hawkeye and that font, all lowercase letters, that is the exact same font. That is the title. Right. And the artwork that they're using, the two colors, where mm-hmm. it's not very detailed, that is the same artwork as on the covers as well. So yep. they're leaning more heavily that to me than any other thing they've ever done on title cards and stuff for cover arts. So, you know, as cool as the Avengers A is, it's actually just the A from Stark Towers in the movie. There is no analogy to that in the comics until after the movie. This is one where the comics actually laid the groundwork for the show. All right. So to. If you're listening to us for the first time, we are Geekville Radio. We can be found on all the major podcatchers. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, you name it. Just do a search for Geekville Radio. You'll find us. You'll find uh, all of our shows under the Geekville banner there. We have Examine the Doctor, where Mark Short and I discuss Doctor Who episodes. We got Nostalgia Trip, where Train and I talk old shows. We got the Lesser Known Geek Hall of Fame. And uh, coming soon, like you said, we're going to do another Examining the Dead. I know there's probably some people listening to this go wondering why we're not talking about Ghostbusters since it's right out of our right out of our generation. We're saving Save that for Examining the Save Dead. Saving it for that. <laughs> yep. And Train, if people want to get a hold of you and talk comics or Ghostbusters or whatever, where can they find you? I am always available on Twitter at CrazyTrain underscore JB. That is my handle pretty much across all social media platforms that I'm a member on. I am also an administrator on the Examining the Dead podcast Facebook page. So you can reach me there as well. Like like Steph said earlier, we are going to be doing one more episode of Examining the Dead, the one that I host that is our only mature tagged show. And we will be talking Ghostbusters Afterlife, Dexter, New Blood, the new show that's just come out, a few other things. I think we're probably, talk, we're probably going to try to get one more classic wrestling memories in before the end of the calendar year. Isn't that correct? Yeah, yeah, I, I would like to do that, definitely. 
So we're, we're still kind of trying to figure out where we're going to go with that. We were kind of both leaning towards, because we talked about it a bunch, and every time we talk about it, so some star died that we have to do a tribute. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and we do want to talk of, about the history of, of wrestling in the state of Texas. So that might be where we go next. But I don't, don't, mm. don't, don't hold us to that, yeah. ladies last, and gentlemen. Last time we committed, but, uh, the last dozen times we committed to that, something happened. Yeah, Harley Race passed away, I think was the beginning of it. It just kind yeah. of snowballed from there. But from the crazy train to all listeners, thank you so much. You, you're the reason we do this. This is the labor of love. It's the holidays, so you be safe out there. This is recorded, like we said earlier, we recorded this day, but Thanksgiving, have a, a safe and wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. And we'll catch y'all after Thanksgiving and getting prepped for, for Christmas. So thank you so much for listening and, and have a safe one, guys. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the hosts and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of GeekvilleRadio.com, A1-Wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved. I think a perfect example of Hawkeye's wit and yet intelligence was when Jeremy Renner was in that hallway, that kind of uh, parking lot or uh, alleyway, and he knows he's walking into a trap. So he's just like, come on, guys, let's just get this over with. <laughs> and then all the minions jump out. <laughs>